You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome, listener, to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast, and more specifically, welcome to episode 97 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. Uh, man, it's crazy. We're only three episodes away from the big 100. I'm so super excited. We have no idea what we're, we're doing for 100. To, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we're also getting close to the uh, two-year anniversary of the podcast as well. It's oh, wow. Only because it took us three months to do three episodes. Because we recorded them like 12 times a piece. Yeah. I think we started in like July and didn't publish till October or something like that. It, it, was, it was not great. Oh, goodness. But before we get started, I want to touch on two quick things. First, thanks for being here, guys. Uh, Matt and Nathan Van Horn. It's always a pleasure for you guys to, uh, to be on the podcast, providing the, uh, the, the big biblical interpretation scholarly guns of the show. And then the second thing is listener if you for whatever reason you're listening to episode 97 you've made it this far and you've made it through the ham trilogy and you made it through um us stopping in i think it was genesis 13 for like four or five months whatever it was and you're not subscribed then why don't you go ahead and remedy that now that's a plus for apple podcasts that's a heart for spotify and it's a check for google podcasts and that's going to let you know every tuesday morning when we have a new episode of the podcast out and it's also going to tell the algorithm that you believe that this is worthwhile content and a quick shout out to the brother who um emailed us this past week and told us that our google our google podcast feed had just stopped working we got that fixed appreciate <laughs> it but on to the story when last week we're talking uh, it was not going good it was bad for the for the inhabitants of the valley, specifically for the inhabitants of Sodom, uh, Lot fled. He was in Zoar. They were doing all right for for the moment, but in all of that, we kind of glazed over a kind of an important detail, like that for me is one of like the main things of the story, or one of the most um, th- like elements that stand out to me, and that's the pillar of salt. Lot's wife. I remember so, as a kid in Sunday school always being curious about the story of just like a pillar of salt. Like I, I, I was like imagining, you know, why, as a child, salt, like a, why salt, <laughs> why salt, a salt shaker, like in, uh, you know, all kinds of things like that. that a there, there is think. a, there's a funny meme and it's got a salt and pepper shaker and it says, guess which one is Lot's wife. Uh. <laughs> I don't mean to sound callous about that, or I don't mean to be salty. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh. There we go. There we go, but but it does seem it does seem crazy that this is like it, this takes up a major portion of people's minds concerning this story. But it's really it's just one verse, and it's just and that's it. It's also a theme in literature, and certainly Christian literature. Gandalf, I know you're a fan of Pilgrim's Progress, and oh yes. Anyway, that oh, yes. that Christian on his journey to the celestial city encounters Lot's wife, the the pillar 
of Lot's wife, the pillar of salt. And it causes him to be, you know, to think about his journey, think about his life and his, you know, his, uh, that, that trick. I, I kind of forgotten about that, that, uh, he, he sees a whole bunch of things just straight out of the Bible. I, I forgot about that. Yep. But, um, well, in that case, uh, interpreter, uh, uh so why smooth. don't you so smooth. <laughs> if you if you've read Pilgrim's progress or watched the movie, you get it. Um, Keep your opinions uh, wh- to wh- yourself or they'll make you read. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you read for us today? Man? All right. I will do that as always coming from the ESV Genesis 19 verses 23 through 29. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. Uh, scorched earth. <laughs> but Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place he had stood before the Lord. Okay, I'm going to keep reading, but I'm seeing several things that we didn't think to, you know, aren't on the plan to talk about. Right there Uh, with you, man. Man, it's neat to go back and read this stuff. And man, there's always something new to see in the text. All right, verse 28. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley, and he looked and behold, the smoke, the land, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Oh, mm. several things there. Certainly what we've planned to talk about. But uh, before I make mention of things that I saw, I know y'all saw some stuff too. What do you see here in this text? Mayor Gandalf. Uh, either one. Let's start with you, Nathan. Um, one, uh, and I know we're going to get to this, is, is 25. Um, mm-hmm. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities, but not just mm-hmm. that. And what grew, what on, grew the ground. on the ground. Yeah, yeah, given yeah, you know, we we talked around that in our pre-recording conversation, but we didn't notice that detail in the text, which kind of reaffirms that what we were talking about. And why is that important, Gandalf? Like the whole growing on the ground. Do you remember what significance did the growing on the ground have for bringing Lot into the region in the first place? Well, okay, so yeah, this has just jumped out at me because when they were going to go their separate ways, Back neighbor in Genesis thirteen. Yeah, and then Abram gave Lot the choice of where he wanted to go. Lot looked down at the valley and he was like, "Oh, this is very Eden-like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll down there and set up camp." And now it is the complete opposite. It is a fire pit, essentially. I guess mm. smoke coming up. Uh, and this is not a s'mores type fire pit. This is, um. Anyway, yeah. So mm. back in Genesis thirteen ten. Uh, when Lot and Abram separate, it says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zoar. And Zoar explicitly comes back into the text as this place to which Lot has to flee when mm-hmm. the well watered garden city is up in flames. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
You know, so it's, it's, it's funny, like, you know, uh, we've all bought a house and when you're looking for a house, there's no perfect house, but you're trying to find the house that's the most perfect for you. And you, you know, you, you find details you like, you find details. Oh, I wish this were, this were different. Um, it's, you know, try to talk yourself into settling in Sodom and Gomorrah because, you know, lots lived there for one chapter when he's kidnapped and caught up in all this, you know, the, the warring of the Kings around him and chapter 14 and Abram has to save him. Uh, but man, the soil is so good. Well, now it's on fire. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, mm. it's, uh, man, the, the property values are plummeting is what I'm, what I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, oh man. Like the, the graph on Zillow is like just straight down. Yeah. Mm. The, the, yeah. the housing bubble has burst in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> um, mm. no, but it is, it is interesting, right? He, he was, he was drawn to this place that looked like this is a place that can perpetuate life. And now it can, it's not only cap, it's not only incapable of supporting life now. What one of the discussions that we had before we started recording is the punishment means this place is not capable of supporting life in the future either. So yeah, so it's interesting in in reflection on this event in Zephaniah chapter two verse nine, it says. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land which, which that that's out, that itself is interesting because these are the two nations we haven't gotten there yet. But these right. are the two nations that will come from Lot's daughters who were who were, you know, presumably born in Sodom and in Gomorrah and around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, true. But it says, Moab shall become like Sodom and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles, which is weeds, a land possessed by weeds and salt pits and a waste forever. Uh, mm. One of the things we reflected on before the episode is, um, and I know Nathan has talked about it before, about how it was just a... a a way to punctuate your sentences in in Roman times that you wanted Par Carthage burned to the ground, you know, Cato, yeah, yeah, a chief rival city. Also, also, I think Carthage should be burned to the ground, and then That's they did right. it, and then they did it, and they covered it in salt. Yeah, and I, I did not know. Um, shame on me, uh, would be Roman historian. Uh, I did not know that they had salted uh, Carthage when it was burned, uh, you know, at the end of the Punic Wars until you mentioned that today, uh, you know, what's funny is we, then we looked into why did they salt it? And they were looking back to a biblical example of Shechem, uh, from, know. uh, the book of judges where, you know, a, a deposed or rebelled against King salts his own area. And what's he drawn on? Where, where's the first concept of salting a city? I mean, it's, it's, it's right here. It's, it's so, right here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not just. It's not just destroying the city for now. It's, you know, ideally destroying it in perpetuity again. And this is so significant because of the Eden thing. Eden wasn't just a good place to live. Eden was a place to live forever. Mm. You see what I'm saying? This is kind of a, a kind of a, a wild deviation here, but you're talking about destroying a place, not just now, but in perpetuity, going back a few episodes where we talked about things being arbitrary we brought up halo it reminds me of what the antagonists of that series do to planets they don't just kill everyone on the planet they glass the planet so it can never again mm. oh they like yeah, they turn the surface to that. glass so you can never ever rehabit it this, reha rehabit well, this, it. so this is the uh 
this is a terrible example, but in, I, I, and I won't name names, but in high school, uh, there was a girl who did not like slugs and you can, you know, you can kill a slug by pouring salt on it, salt, salt on it. And, uh, anyway, there was a slug and she went, you know, Ooh, and she didn't like it and all this, but instead of pouring salt on the slug, she poured a ring of salt around the slug. Uh, and it was, it was kind of like a see your death situation. I was like, I never want to be on the wrong side of her. <laughs> salt on the ground is not a great thing. Uh, right. is what I'm telling you. Uh, yeah. Well, so now, okay. So go ahead. So, so, all right. So it's burned down all the way to the salt, to the, the nettles and the salt is all that remains of that. Is there any connection here? Like, is this just a coincidence that Lot's wife becomes a pillar of salt? And that's all that's left. That like the, somehow should she like becomes a part of the destruction. Yeah, like I like is there a connection here? Am I reading too much into it? Well, it's interesting that Jesus in his warning passage in Luke seventeen, actually, it's he actually says that whole "remember Lot's wife." That's a phrase that Jesus said that John Bunyan was using. And when you look back, yeah, the Lord remembered yeah. Abraham. Yeah, but Jesus um, talking about uh, this in the New Testament, he says in verse 29 of chapter 17, but on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let no one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. It seems to be here that what Jesus is indicating, this is not a glance. This is, this is a longing to return. Well, yeah. And, you know, Jesus in the very next verse is the whole, whoever seeks to preserve his life. He's not just talking about a quantity of life. He's talking about a quality of life. Right. Um, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. This is the, you know, going back a couple episodes ago when we say, was it a sin uh, for Lot to settle there? Um, no, but you don't get out of Sodom unscathed. It has become home for his wife. And, you know, there's that difference in the text. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago that Lot seems to linger when the angel is warning him. But upon closer examination, it looks like Lot is lingering to try to get other people out of there. Right. Uh, whatever's going on with his wife, she's not just lingering. She's longing to go back that way. That's mm -hmm. home for her. Um, uh, you know, she's so attached to what God has called her to leave that she, that she looks back to it, to, you know, to her own peril. So it, it, it's interesting of just talking about the, the big theme, because that's what Abraham does. He leaves his world behind. And Nathan, I don't know if you mentioned it in our recording time, but in tying this into the Exodus, because as we've said so oh, this, many times on this program, uh, the is original hearers of this would have been experiencing the Exodus while reading about Genesis. That's right. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's why the Genesis 13 link about lot settling there is that mm -hmm. Sodom is not only compared to Eden, it's compared to one other place. Hmm. And it's compared to Egypt. It is. And man, to Egypt. If, if, if you know your Old Testament story, you know, God 
delivers his people from Egypt from a terrible situation. Their cries had gone up to God, not unlike what evokes action from the angels in Genesis 19. Isn't that Um, interesting? Isn't that interesting? Um, But anyway, God delivers his people from the city, right? He takes them through the waters of the Red Sea, water. um, Interesting. Uh, By the way, uh, anyway, I won't even chase that rabbit. Um, but he, he he takes them through the waters of the Red Sea. They're free. They sing a hymn. And in the very next passage, they're complaining, man, we ate better than this back in Egypt. <laughs> hmm. we, we, we had better food and water back in Egypt. And that's that becomes a recurring theme uh, through the wilderness is the looking back to Egypt. And the irony is they look back to Egypt so much that many of them cease to trust God to lead them forward into the land of promise. And they perish in the wilderness. They perish in an in-between place. Which isn't that kind of what's happening with Lot's wife? Um, yeah. I I also wow, yeah. I, not to domineer the episode, but I also think you know I've, I've studied a lot on the the king's uh, narrative with with Solomon. Uh, mm-hmm. Solomon, when he becomes king, has a better scenario than anyone before or after him. He's the only king of Israel to inherit a truly unified kingdom. Uh, mm. Saul had never really unified the kingdoms. David. Uh, unifies the kingdoms in his first seven years. Um, but then due to internal conflict, Absalom, you know, rebellion and things like that, he spends just about as much time off the throne as he does on the throne in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. The, the, the sword doesn't depart from his house. Solomon uniquely inherits a truly unified kingdom, uh, peace on all sides from his enemies. God blesses him with wisdom and wealth. Um, and so how do things go so wrong that the kingdom splits in the generation after Solomon? Like, how do we get from Solomon loved the Lord in First Kings 3 to Solomon loved many foreign women? Well, the very first thing that is mentioned about Solomon's reign, and I'm not, this is not to come down on Solomon. This is to make a point about Sodom. The very first thing about Sodom, uh, about Solomon's reign is the first thing he does as king is he marries the daughter of Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Right. Yeah, symbolically, he's gone. He's gone back to Egypt, uh, or God, or in our case, wanting to take Sodom with you. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ra- yeah mm. He's done worse. Rather than going back to Egypt, he's brought Egypt into Jerusalem. <laughs> mm. uh, and it's interesting if you go through the narrative about Solomon being king. We'll talk about this if we ever get to First Kings. Um, I'm not optimistic, um, but uh, <laughs> if we ever get to First Kings, we'll talk about this. Solomon, uh, Pharaoh's daughter keeps being highlighted in the text at, at some pretty key points. Uh, hmm. like, you know, Solomon builds the temple in seven years, but then he builds his own palace, um, in 13 years. And within his palace, there's a special palace for guess who Pharaoh's daughter. And, oh, wait, her palace is bigger than the Holy of Holies. So um, uh, I want to throw something out there for, for, there's a change our, of our loves is what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way of putting that. Oh, that's uh, that's you know, First Kings three, love the mm-hmm. Lord. First Kings eleven, he loved many foreign women in addition to the daughter of Pharaoh. That's <laughs> mm. right there in the text. So, one of the things I want to throw out there, just if you're not familiar, Israel is not forbidden to marry foreign women uh, if the foreign women convert to worshiping the God of Israel. That's the, good news for Moses. He had a foreign That's right. Wife. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's it's the whole idea of the preservation of uh, foreign religion and, and foreign worship being preserved. It's not xenophobia. Yeah. That's right. 
it, it, it's it, it's yes, thank you. But anyway, what's another? There's another detail. Is we've talked about Flavius Josephus before. Josephus actually mentions this. In fact, I I would like to just take a second and just read what Josephus says about Lot's wife. But before you do that, uh-huh. for a quick quick reminder for our listeners, who is Josephus? Okay, so Josephus is a Jewish historian slash uh, general. Ah, uh, true. Yeah, uh, living around the you know the first century, um, mid to late first century. Right. So he's he has a lot to say. So um, his book is fascinating. It's not scripture, even though sometimes when it's quoted people treat it like scripture, but it's just a Jewish account of history. And there's a lot of commentary that Josephus has on the Old Testament stories, and we've referenced him before. And you're you're talking about antiquities, not the wars of the Jews, right? Correct. I'm talking about the antiquities of the Jews. Okay. So according to Josephus, but God was much displeased at their imprudent behavior so that he sm- both smote those men with blindness and condemned the sodomites to universal destruction. But Lot, upon God's informing him of the future destruction of the sodomites, went away, taking with him his wife and daughters, who were two and still virgins, for those that were betrothed to him, to them were above the thoughts of going and deemed that Lot's words were trifling, referencing Lot's sons-in-laws. God then cast a thunderbolt upon the city and set it on fire with its inhabitants and laid waste the country with the like burning, as I formerly said when I wrote the Jewish war. But Lot's wife, continually turning back to view the city as she went from it, and being too nicely inquisitive, what would have become of it? Although so God for him, for... she's not just peeking over the shoulder. Yeah, Josephus is. <laughs> yeah, he, it's, he... it's not. It's not how. What constitutes looking back? Is you know, is this a thirty degree head turn? It's she that's is right. looking back longingly. That's where she identifies. Yeah. Yes, that's how. That's how Josephus sees it. Although God had forbidden her to do so, was changed into a pillar of salt. Now listen to this comment, Gandalf. For I have seen it, and it remains at this day. Isn't that interesting? Like that. Uh, I'm, wow. Okay. So not not only does it remain to this day, but Joseph, Josephus is saying he has seen it. He has laid eyes on I, the piece. I've seen Lot's wife. We've well, and, and, yeah, and and you know what? I mean, we were talking about this before we started uh, recording. You know, there is a traditional site associated with this. That's it's pretty hard to verify, right? Uh, because right. we don't exactly have you know direct coordinates or anything like that, um, but y'all, yeah, you know, y'all were talking about uh, going to Masada, and I've been to Masada as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, remind you know, us what Masada is. Masada, uh, when uh, Herod's fir- fortress in the wilderness. Yeah, when the when the first Jewish revolt happened against Rome from about sixty six to seventy, really the Masada chapter goes a few years extra. Um, uh, but a, a contingent of the rebels fled to this wilderness fortress called Masada near the Dead Sea and near the Qumran community. And the Romans camped out because Masada is very hard to attack directly. So they spend months upon months building this large siege ramp. And 2,000 years later, even if you go to Masada today, 
there's still visible evidence of the Roman encampment and the ramp. Yeah, but it, it doesn't rain there. Literally, so, yeah. So the time can't wash it away, so to speak, uh, just so because of how dry it is. It's not unreasonable that this pillar of salt would have existed. I mean, this is arguably... Yeah, the time is like 2,000 years later. That's it. The time span between Josephus and Lot's wife is is no greater uh, uh, than us and Masada. Oh, yeah. Very true. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, this this is, even if I were listening to this very skeptically, uh, this is very plausible. Uh, I mean, obviously, I believe the Bible, so I mean, that's not my 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 framework. But I mean, I just just to put that in perspective. Um, so, uh, yeah. Mm. So, Gandalf, what do you see no, out of this? Not text? a lot we- of flowers growing around Masada either, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that commentary from Josephus because this is all this section here has always kind of stuck out to me, where it it just seems like a such a small transgression to turn around and look back at the city, mm. especially in light of we've seen the patience, the the long of nostril, as Nathan, Nathan has pointed out to us, of God in dealing with this city, that just like, oh, she turned around, she turned 30 degrees, you're mm. done. Pillar of salt. But it, this, this seems more well, reasonable and it, and it, to me, well, or it makes more sense to well, me. Well, yeah, and it's precisely, you know, going back to verse 17 of Genesis 19, uh, you know, it says that as they brought them out of the city, in other words, they've already been saved in a sense. As they brought them out, mm-hmm. one one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. Um, and so this, this is a, in other words, this is not a, hey, this stuff's long way off. This is in the act of being saved. You know, like this is the guy who's sitting on the roof, that old joke. Uh, and he says, oh, God will send deliverance and the boat comes and the, you know, the guy in the raft comes and the plane comes and he's like, no, God will send deliverance. And then he got the guy perishes in the flood and he says, God, I thought you were saving me. And he's, God's like, I sent a boat, a plane and a guy in a raft. What do you want? You know? Right. Um, uh, this is, this, they were in the act of being saved and she, she, she was so at home in Sodom. She kept looking back longingly for it. You know, as a, and she she shared in its destruction. Yeah, um, this the you know we've 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 talked about it before. Uh, the whole Nathan, is there a connection here to Exodus where God destroys the uh, with well, He has the pillar of fire separating the Egyptians from the Israelites at the Red Sea. Yeah, so it, this is it's, you know, there's so many things that point back and point forward at the same time. Um, uh, water is a symbol of chaos that becomes a symbol of deliverance for God's people, right? And right. it's so it's so interesting uh, because with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you have the bitumen, which makes us think back to you know uh, waterproofing the ark and waterproofing the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. It can't flood, but it can burn, right? There's there's no <laughs> there's no right. judgment proof human structure. Um, but, it, but it's also the, the, the water and the fire also become a, a, a dual, um, element of God's ability to deliver his people and, and judge and triumph over his enemies. And I do think you see that. Where do you see the pillar of fire in the Exodus? It's right at the place where God parts the waters. <laughs> right. You know, um, what's interesting in like modern archeology span and just, uh, just modern study of the land, topographies, 
topography, so on and so forth, is the area around the Dead Sea that is associated with Sodom and Gomorrah today is is covered with sulfur, brimstone, and salt. Like it's everywhere. Like it, you mm. you can see it in Bible atlases. In fact, it's so prevalent that people who deny the Bible say that its existence there gave rise to the myth about Sodom and Gomorrah. Because it's, you know, people who are, um, you know, they can't argue that the brimstone and the sulfur and the salt is there. I mean, it's there. Well, yeah, this is just, uh, uh, the end of the Shawshank Redemption when he's telling Red to go find this mystery treasure box. And he'll say, you'll see this rock and it's going to be tremendously out of place. Why would this rock be here? That's the Sodom and Gomorrah scenario. Like how, right. where in the world is this? T- this where, where is all this sulfur coming from? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in fact, you can actually see we videos didn't start about the fire. It. Okay. Um, but, like, you can actually take a match and set fire to the ground because it's sulfur. Like, it, it's crazy and it melts. And it, it, it's like, I know, why I've is su- th- I know I've sung this episode, but man, the mental playlist that I have for this episode is like 20 <laughs> tracks deep at this point. <laughs> so, this, this isn't your everyday amount of sulfur raining from the sky this this is advanced sulfur from the sky it's still there to this day you can still set the ground on fire right it's man it's it's crazy and whatever happened there for the rest of the bible this area becomes a wasteland I, it I is I'm no not longer sure. the jordan river valley it's the dead sea mm. i mean I'm not, i for one i'm not looking further back to see what happened uh <laughs> That's right. Um, but anyway, well, I, I, we've talked a lot about this episode. There's still more to talk about in the future, because now that we're out of Sodom, we're going to find out that Sodom is not exactly out of the thinking of Lot and his family. Oh, well said. And, mm. and unfortunately, there is more to read on that story for next time. But uh, just, as a, just as a reminder. You can take we- Matt out of East Tennessee. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, Saturday, there was a lot of East Tennessee and Matt. <laughs> yes. If, if you're not listening to this in real time, Tennessee just beat Alabama. Uh, so it was uh, the fire fell. That's all I'm going to say. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. All right. But anyway, not to offend our Alabama fans and listeners. Y'all are awesome. You know it. But, um, but I anyway, couldn't, I couldn't let you not have a Rocky Top moment, friend. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, in thinking about this, I want to say one more thing, Gandalf, just as a reminder of the whole Sodom and Gomorrah episode. Hopefully through this series of episodes, we've seen the common evangelical thinking about Sodom and Gomorrah is like, oh, it's a story about sexual misbehavior. And hopefully this look for extended weeks on this, there's so much more to glean from this passage. It's not that this passage cannot be consulted when talking about those topics. But there's way more going on here than sexual ethics that we're supposed to learn from this text. Uh, I'll, I'll throw one in for you as well, Matt. A lot of people point to the story as a story about God's wrath, and that's certainly in there. But I would say what we've seen time and time again through this podcast is I would hope you would look at this story as a story of God's patience. Mm. Oh, because man, there is so much. Yeah. Mm. It it didn't just fall out of the sky one day. Yeah. No, no one should have been surprised. God's when the patience started raining down. Abraham's patience. Lot's patience. Man, there's just so much there. 
And if, if there is a takeaway on how, how to treat your neighbors, look at the behavior of God, Abraham, and Lot here, and there's something there for us. Mm, indeed. And listener, if you want an example of good behavior, I would suggest that you like and subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Pile <laughs> podcast. That's a, that's a great action to take, because if you do, number one, you're going to receive a notification every Tuesday morning when we release a new episode. And number two, you're going to help spread the word of the podcast by telling the almighty algorithm that this is worthwhile content. So if you believe that, help us out and do that. And we'll be back next week. We're going to cover a little bit more of this grand narrative. Until then, we'll see you. See you next time. Shalom. And I'm stopping.